0: Good morning. Sorry, give me a moment. All right. Go ahead and open your Bibles to Psalm 23. And Happy New Year to everyone. Um, at the beginning of a new year, I like to preach on subjects that I hope uh, we'll take in and meditate upon deeply for the coming year. Uh, and this year is no different, right? We're going to be considering Psalm 23 this morning. And, and what I what I hope that we'll take in and all of us meditate upon throughout this year and think on more deeply is this, trusting in the Lord. Trusting in the Lord. So again, Psalm 23. Um, a new year is here, and, and that's, a, that's a good thing, right? It's a blessing from the Lord, His mercy. Uh, as, as far as we can tell, He's, he's giving us another year. Um, and, and with this new year will indeed come fresh blessings from the Lord. right? God is abundantly kind to His people, and we can count on that. He will bless us in the coming year. But there will also be new sufferings with a new year there will be new trials there will be new hardships and this is how each year is isn't it right every year there are new blessings there are new things to rejoice over and each year there are also new pains and fresh tears to cry I know that for me personally 2021 was a year full of blessings for me and my family and 2021 was also a year that had intense suffering for us as well the likes of which we had never had And I'm sure that the same is true for each of you, right? Now, maybe our blessings and sufferings weren't all of the same magnitude, but we all experienced both, pleasure and pain, blessing and hardship. And the blessings are very easy to accept and live through, very easy. But it is the trials, the hardships and the losses that test us and are hard. Again, we, we can look at past years of our lives and see that this is true. Some, some years are harder than others, but they all have something difficult in each one of them. So then I want to preach a sermon at the beginning of this year uh, that will help us to get through those hard times because they're going to come. They're going to come, and you're a fool if you think that they won't. And maybe this year is going to be great for you, and I hope so. But next year might not be. At some point, you're going to suffer And we need to know how to get through those hard times. And so I chose to preach Psalm 23. um, This text that, that I believe will remind us that the Lord is really with us. And he will help us. And he will be faithful to us. And he will bless us. And he will sustain us. And he will lead us through whatever may come our way. Because he is our shepherd. The psalm before us is a psalm of confidence. It's a psalm that reminds us that we can trust the Lord, and that's because this psalm reminds us of the goodness and mercy of the Lord. So I want to preach this text this morning in such a way as to highlight for you the reasons that you can trust God and rely upon him and walk into this new year with confidence that he's going to take care of you. Now, to be clear, um, each line of this psalm could be a sermon, um, And maybe I'll do that in the future. Maybe we'll spend like three months in the shepherd's psalm at some point. Some of you are laughing uh, because that's what we do in Reformed churches, isn't it? We take a text that you could do in one shot and we stretch it out for like an entire year. We've been in Mark for three years, right? You get what I'm saying. Um, And maybe I'll do that in the future. But today I want to highlight the big ideas of each line. And we're going to go through this psalm fairly quickly, I think, and I'm going to take my time with some lines and phrases more with others, and I'll go through other lines more quickly, you'll notice. But in looking at each line, what I hope to do is bit by bit and point by point bring down an avalanche upon each one of you, an avalanche that is the love of God. By God's grace, I will show you through this text that those who belong to the shepherd are completely immersed, completely surrounded and completely covered by the love and care of Almighty God. That's what I want to show you this morning. Now with that said, if you would and are able, please stand with me now for the reading of the inspired, inerrant, and infallible Word of God. Psalm 23, a psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the word of God. Let's pray. Our great God, we come before you now, bowing down in our hearts, humbling ourselves before you, and we come to ask you to help us to understand your word here. Help us to understand it with faith. Help us to believe it. Open our hearts now to receive your word and teach us. Show us. In this text, show us your great love for us. Reveal your blessings and graces to us in this text and teach us to trust you more for the times ahead. We ask that you would bless the preaching of your word and that you would bless the hearing of it. Glorify yourself this morning, we pray. And we ask for these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. You may be seated. Now, before we get into this psalm and the promises and blessings and grounds for our trust in the Lord, I need to make something very clear about this psalm. It's not for everybody. It's not. It it just isn't. This psalm is only for the believer. This psalm is for the Christian. The blessings and comforts and promises of this psalm are only for those who belong to the Lord. They're not for the world. Now, I want to be clear. They are offered to the world in Jesus Christ, but they only actually belong to the flock of God. To paraphrase Charles Spurgeon on this point, you have to go through Psalm 22 in order to get to Psalm 23. What does that mean? You have to come to faith in the one who cried out at the cross, quoting Psalm 22, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You must come to that one. Before you can say, The Lord is my shepherd, you must come to the one who cried out in agony upon the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Before you can say, The Lord is my shepherd. You must come to Christ in faith, throwing yourself upon His mercy and His merits alone, His righteousness alone, His grace alone to save you. You must come to Him believing that at the cross, He suffered the righteous wrath of God that you deserve for your sins, that he did so in your place and was raised from the dead on the third day. You must abandon any notion of your own righteousness and merit before God and instead humbly receive the salvation that Christ has earned for those who come to him. You must come to Christ in faith for the forgiveness of your sins and your right standing before God Almighty. You must repent of your sins and trust Christ to save you before you can receive any of the blessings or comforts that belong to his flock. You could put it this way, you must come to the good shepherd, the one who laid his life down for the sheep in order to even begin to say, the Lord is my shepherd. So let me say this at the beginning. I know we have visitors here. I don't know all of you, but let me say this believe upon Christ and be saved from the sins, for your sins, and the penalty that you deserve for them. If you have not, you must come to Christ. The promise of salvation is offered to you. Salvation is yours if you will only believe upon Christ, and believing is no work. Look to Him in faith and be saved. He promises He will never cast you out, He will receive all who come to Him. You will receive everyone who comes to him and he will certainly bring you into his fold. So believe upon him. Come to him in faith and repentance for your sins and the promises and blessings and comforts of this psalm are yours. And if you're not a believer, what I hope to do is make you jealous in preaching this text so that you might see the blessings that belong to the people of God that you might say, I want to know that shepherd. Come to him and live. But for those of us who do believe, we now turn to consider the text before us. We turn to consider the blessings and comfort that we have as Christ's sheep, as God's sheep, as Yahweh's sheep, right? That's what the Lord is, all caps there. Yahweh's sheep, the triune God's sheep. As I said in the introduction, this psalm shows us that we can trust the Lord, that we can have confidence in him. But how do we know that? Why is that so? I think this psalm shows us at least eight things that reveal the love of God for his people and therefore it reveals eight reasons to trust him with everything that we have for our whole lives. And the first thing is that we are his. The opening of the psalm, the Lord is my shepherd. This is intensely personal, is it not? We expect the Lord is the shepherd of his sheep. Right? That that sounds a bit more appropriate for the great, mighty, transcendent God, but the Lord is my shepherd. He's mine. Again, this psalm is intensely personal, Christian. He is yours. He is yours. He is your shepherd personally. Our great God shepherds you as an individual. And this means that he owns you personally. Right? You you belong to him. Consider this. He is your shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. So what does that make you? One of his sheep. And how did you become his sheep? How did you become one of his sheep? Let's rehearse salvation for a moment. God the Father chose you for this. He marked you out in eternity past that you would become one of his sheep. He called you by name and said, this one is mine. Read Ephesians 1 or Romans 9. You'll see this. More than that, our Lord Jesus tells us in John chapter 6 that my Father has given me sheep to save. I know that that's a paraphrase, but read John 6. He said the Father has given people to him that he is to save. This means that the Father chose certain sinners to become his sheep. And this was done clearly before we were born. It was before the foundations of the earth were laid. Christian, you were chosen for this. You were chosen. God chose to make you his sheep. And then our Lord Jesus Christ, God the Son, laid down his life for those sheep. Those whom the Father had chosen, the Lord Jesus willingly gave his life as a sacrifice for them. The good shepherd Jesus gave his life for the sheep. He lived, died, and was raised in order to bring about the forgiveness of your sins and make you righteous and bring you into the flock of God. And then the Holy Spirit worked in you. He brought you from spiritual death to spiritual life. You were dead in your sins, but he made you alive and united you to Christ. You were dead in your heart, but he granted you the gift of faith. And he changed your will that was hostile to God and made you will to love the Lord. And in doing so, the Spirit of God brought you to Christ. And being brought to Christ, the Spirit applied the work of God the Son to you according to the will of God the Father. Christian, let me summarize this. Why am I rehearsing all of that? You are God's sheep because God loves you. That's what I want you to see there. He did all of that for you, for you, in order that you would become one of His own. He is your shepherd, and that makes you one of His sheep. He owns you now. Dare I say it? He purchased you. Did he not? Is that not what the Apostle Paul tells us? He purchased you with the blood of Jesus Christ. And what does that mean then? It means he must care about you. He must care for you. He must earnestly desire what is good for you. If he gave his only begotten son to save you. And remember, he did not have to do this for you. And he does not do this for all men. He's done this for you. And done it by pure grace, not because of anything in you or anything that he foresaw in you or anything that he thought would be good about you. No, he did it purely because of his grace, because he desired to love you in such a way. He must care for you. He must love you. He is your shepherd. He does love you. And not only is he your shepherd, he is the Lord. He is Yahweh. All right, this is the covenantal name of God. He is the one who is, the one who is pure being in himself, the one who has no beginning and no end, the one who created all things, the one who sustains and governs all things according to his sovereign and good pleasure. He is the Almighty. He is the one before whom all the nations of the earth are as dust on the scales and as a drop in the bucket. He is the vast, omnipotent, measureless, terrifying, uncontainable, omniscient, eternal sovereign of the galaxies. He is the one to whom all things owe their highest devotion and submission and praise from the smallest microorganisms to the greatest stars. And that God is your shepherd. I love to tell you this. That God is your shepherd. And that God loves you. Dare I say it, and and this may strike some of you wrong, the most terrifying being in the universe who is horrifying in his majesty and in his power loves you. The one before whom men hide their face and say, I'm going to perish when he reveals an ounce of his glory to them. Who say, I'm going to die because I've seen God. That God loves you. That God loves you. That mighty, transcendent God has lowered himself to shepherd you as an individual. Tell me this is not the greatest place in the world to be. Tell me this is not the safest place in the world to be. Under the care of this God, under the love of this God, being chosen by this God, this is the best place to be. So surely you can trust the one who governs all things and has proven his love for you by saving you and bringing you into his fold. Surely you can trust him with your life simply because of who he is as Yahweh and the fact that this mighty God loves you. By grace, Christian, you belong to him and belonging to him, he belongs to you. You can trust him. Second, we can trust the Lord because he will take care of our needs. The text says, I shall not want. Now, that doesn't mean we will have no desires. That's not what want here means. It means I shall not lack. I shall not want for anything. Some translations say, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. It's a good translation. The psalmist says, The Lord is my shepherd, and so, since he is my shepherd, I shall not lack anything that I need. I will always have exactly what I need, both now and in the future. This, brothers and sisters, is a straightforward declaration that the Lord will take care of our needs. And that's probably what's being pictured in verse 2, by the way. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. This is a picture of a shepherd feeding and watering his sheep, the things that they need. He's caring for them. The shepherd feeds and cares for his flock. And this isn't just spiritual needs, as some people will interpret it, right? The, the, the psalmist gives no qualifications. He doesn't say, I, 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 I lack nothing in my spiritual life. No, it's, I shall not want. It's very open-ended. So that means that in all things necessary, all the things that we need, spiritual and physical, we will have them God will take care of our daily needs. This is why our Lord Jesus teaches us in the Sermon on the Mount to pray each day, give us this day our daily bread. Right? We are to ask the Lord to provide for us, and he will. Jesus makes this same promise in Matthew chapter 6, again, on the sermon, in the Sermon on the Mount, when he tells us, don't worry or fret over food and clothing, because your Heavenly Father knows what you need before you even ask, and he's going to give it to you. God will absolutely take care of us and give us all the things that we need each day. Christian, you can trust the Lord in the days to come to care for your needs. He promises he will give you what you need. And certainly, right, unless you desire to blaspheme the Lord, none of us would argue that he is unable to help us. He's God after all. He can surely do it. So we need only to trust him. We need not worry. He will give us all we need in this world. And likewise, he'll give us the spiritual refreshments that we need. He'll give us the lessons and teaching and direction that we need in order to live properly, spiritually speaking. And we'll get into more of these later, but rest assured that you can trust him to sustain your spirit as well as your body. The Lord cares for his own. He provides for us, and so we have no lack in any way. We have all that we need because we are under his care. Now, I know some of you may be thinking, because you're probably cynical like I am, but David, I don't always have all that I need, right? Some of you probably have read that I shall not want. I I don't lack anything. Well, I lack many things. Respectfully, uh, consider this. The text says that we shall not need or want for anything because the Lord is our shepherd. So guess what that means? If you don't have it, you don't need it. I know that's not an easy pill to swallow, but that is the implication of the text. If you do not have it, then you do not need it. Or you do need it and it's on the way. That's the implication of the text here. But either way, know this for a certainty. God will give to each one of us exactly what we need. The thing is, we often don't need everything that we think we do. But God knows. God knows when we need more, and he knows when we need less. And we dare not challenge his wisdom. Are you wiser than the Lord? I know you're not. I'm not either. We dare not challenge his wisdom. He knows what we need better than we do. Just like I know what Piper needs better than she does because she's two. And the distance between God and man is much greater than a 30 year old and a two year old. He's infinitely more wise than us. And listen, this doesn't just apply to physical things in life, He knows all that we need. One commentator put it this way God will give us everything we need, every good thing, every cross, every good comfort every needed chastisement, every needed supply, all timely lessons, all good deliverances. What's he saying there? Both the good and the difficult, the pleasurable and the painful. God knows what we need, and so in his wisdom and power, he gives us what we need, and the fact of the matter is sometimes we need to suffer in order to grow, in order to learn to trust. We need to suffer Sometimes we need to go through hard things, and so the Lord brings them upon us according to His sovereign will, that is for our good and His glory. So, if I could apply this quite practically here, and I know I'll be pushing on some wounds for some of us. Do you want a husband or a wife, but you do not have one? Then you don't need one right now. Maybe ever. I I I don't know what the Lord has for your life, but I know that He knows what you need. Do you desire a child? Or more children, but don't have them, then you don't need a child or more children right now. Maybe not ever. The Lord knows. I don't know what you need, but he does. Do you want a better job, but you don't currently have it? Then you don't need it. Or you do, and it's on the way. I don't know the will of God, but he knows what's best for you. You get the point. We could do this with everything, with every desire that we have. You either don't need what you think that you need or you do, and it's on the way in God's good and wise timing. But rest assured, what you can trust in is that we will have every single thing that is needful. And that's because the Lord is our shepherd and he takes care of us according to his perfect wisdom. And hear me. If you you desire something that you do not have, it does not mean it is a bad desire. It doesn't mean it's a bad desire. It just means that the Lord knows that you don't need it right now. The Lord knows what you need, and so we can trust him to provide for us as we need. Content yourself, then, with his good will and good providence. And remember, he is your shepherd, and he promises to take care of you, and you can trust him. Next, we see in our psalm that we can trust the Lord because he will preserve us. And this one, I think, blessed me more than almost anything as I was studying this text. The psalm says, he restores my soul. There's great comfort to us here. A great reason to entrust ourselves to the care of God. Please hear me. I know some of you struggle with the assurance of salvation. You see the sinfulness in your life and you say, I I don't know if I'm going to make it to the end because I'm so sinful and weak. Please listen especially to this. There's a great reason here to entrust ourselves to the care of God. To restore means to bring back. To bring back to where it should be. It puts us in mind of the restoration of the wandering. And what King David, who was once a shepherd, probably had in mind when he wrote this is that sheep stray from the fold. How sheep stray away from the shepherd so often. And what does that good shepherd do? He goes and he finds the straying sheep. And he brings that sheep back to where it should have been all along. And the shepherd does so. Why? Because the sheep are his. And he is no hireling. But he loves the sheep and he cares for them. And he will not permit them to die on his watch. He won't allow it. Dear Christian, see the love of God for you here. See it. He is the shepherd who restores our souls. He's the shepherd who brings us back from our wanderings. He's the one who pursues his sheep, his people, when we go astray. And he brings us back because he will not permit our souls to be lost. Please hear me. He will not have it. He will not allow one of his sheep to be lost. He is the good shepherd, and he does not lose sheep. We stray. Do we not? We stray. It's not a nice thing to say. It's not a pretty thing. Sin is ugly, but indeed we sin. And listen, I'm not making excuses for your sin. Do not turn what I'm saying here into a license for you to do whatever you want and sin against the Lord. I'm just stating a fact. We all sin every day. And if you don't think that you sin every day, it's because you don't understand the law of God and you've become a Pharisee and you've made the law attainable. You sin every day. All of us do. Now listen, some sin is more grievous than others. But we all sin every day, even Christians. We go astray in our hearts, in our thoughts, in our words, and in our deeds. And we walk away from the shepherd. Sometimes it's just a step away from the shepherd. Sometimes it is a mile away from the shepherd, but we all stray at various times and in various ways. But praise be to God, the text says, He restores my soul. He restores my soul, and He brings us back. Haven't we all experienced this? The psalmist here is talking about the grace of repentance, and didn't David know it well? David, thou art the man. You killed Uriah. David knows the grace of repentance. God grants repentance to each one of us, and in doing so, he brings us back to himself. We may stray, but he brings us back. Why? Because he is faithful to his promises that he has made to us in Jesus Christ. And he has promised to forgive us our sins and bring us home. He promised to save us. He chose us. Christ bought us. He made us alive, and he will not permit us to be lost because he doesn't lose sheep. He brings us back into fellowship with him time and time again. He will not allow us to stray forever. He will preserve us by his grace. This is a promise. If you are actually one of his sheep, if you have been born again, then he will keep you in his grace and he will bring you back time and time again when you stray. Please hear me. For those of you who who struggle with the assurance of salvation as I did for so long, And you ask yourself, how do I know I'm going to be a Christian next January 2nd of 2023? Please hear me. You'll be a Christian tomorrow and all the days of the rest of your life because the Lord restores your soul. Because of him. We go astray, but he restores. Just like an earthly shepherd of literal sheep who goes after those who stray because they will die if they are not restored. So also will our God preserve our souls and keep us in his flock. And listen, sometimes... He has many methods of doing this. Sometimes he will do this by using the shepherd's staff. And he'll take that staff and he will smack you in the head with it. And he'll take the crook of that staff and he'll put it around your neck and he will yank you back onto the path that you need to go. And it won't be pleasant. This is why the book of Hebrews tells us to fear the discipline of the Lord. If he loves you, He will discipline you just like a father loves his children and disciplines his children. And he will discipline you and make you miserable until you repent. He will take your peace and make you even eat the fruit of your own sin for a season so that you might repent. He may use the staff. But then I think we've all experienced this other times. He will pick us up because we are so lifeless because of our foolishness. And he will bind up our broken legs and put us on his shoulders and carry us back to the fold because we can't walk anymore. And he brings us back with his tenderness and his promises of mercy and compassion for those who have gone astray. But either way, he will find us because he loves us and he will restore our souls and he will bring us back to himself and bind us to himself with the cords of love. He will not abandon us He will be faithful to his covenant. And so we can entrust ourselves to him. We're too weak and sinful to ever boast that we will ever be strong enough to continue on as Christians. We sin, fall, and fail. And we will do so throughout our entire lives. Sanctification is a messy business. But he restores our souls. And so we can trust him with our souls because he will preserve us. Christian, he loves you. Trust him. Trust him forth we see that we can trust him because he will lead us in the right paths he leads me in paths of righteousness the text says christian he will show you the way to go he'll lead you in the way that you ought to live that's what these paths of righteousness are it's moral righteousness he'll show you how to live that is best for you though it may be difficult now it is best for you when the history books are written when all is said and done christian he will not lead you down a bad path He will only lead you in paths of righteousness. That doesn't mean that those paths may not be difficult. But he knows the best way for you to go that is ultimately the safest way for you to go, spiritually speaking. And how will he lead you? By his word, of course. By his word. His word will instruct and guide you. His word will give you wisdom in the way that you should go. His word will reveal unto you his will. His word will guide you. So, Christian, you can trust His word. Know this it is His word, it is the word of the shepherd, after all. It's good and it's true, and He will lead you with it. So, please hear me. The shepherd who loves and restores and provides for you will never lead you down a bad path. So, Christian, you will hear all manner of advice this year, you will hear all kinds of worldly wisdom. And most of it will flatly contradict the word, though Satan is so subtle that some of it will seem like maybe it doesn't. But most of the advice you're going to hear will flatly contradict the voice and leading of your shepherd. And some of that which contradicts the leading of the shepherd will seem very reasonable to you. This seems like it's going to keep me out of trouble if I do what the world is telling me. This seems like it will make the, be the easiest path for me to go on if I listen to this and not the book. But you must not listen. You must listen only to the voice of your shepherd. You must listen only to his word. You must be led only by his truth and walk only in his paths. And the fact that he gives his word to guide you and lead you is, again, a proof that he loves you, is it not? He hasn't left you in a world all alone to fend for yourself and figure out the right way to go. He loves you too much for that. He loves you too much for that. So trust him. His word. Trust his word to show you the proper path because in it he gives his sheep divine wisdom. Trust him and his word to show you what to avoid and where to go because he loves you and will never lead you astray. The book is proof. Fifthly, we see that we can trust him because all the Lord does, he does for his name's sake. This is good. And this is a great ground for you to trust him. And maybe some of you, right, because this one's rooted in God, right, for his own namesake. Some of you may be saying that this is a little bit strange how this should make me want to trust him more. But this is actually the, the best news for us. This is good news for sinful sheep, that the Lord does everything for the sake of his own name. Brothers and sisters, we are not worthy to be provided for or restored or led or anything else. We are manifestly unworthy of any good thing from God. Why? Because we're so sinful. And even as people who have been forgiven of our sins, we still stray so often. So then, if God ever promises to do anything that is ultimately for our sake, then we should be very afraid. Because we will never be good enough to get him to do it. If he says, I'll do this for your sake, you just have to measure up for something, we'll never be able to do it we'll never get what He promises because we will always fall short and we will never ever rise to the level that we need to be at in order to attain His blessings. But if He acts for the sake of His own name, if He acts for the sake of His own glory, for His own worth, then we know that we are safe. Why? Because He's worthy. You're not, but He is for why should his name be dragged through the mud because we're so bad? God will not allow to have his glory diminished. He will not allow his name to be looked down upon. And so we know that he will act and do all that he has promised because he is worthy of all glory and praise. Hear me. Because he, because his name is worthy of praise, we will be provided for Because his name is worthy of praise, we will be restored. Because his name is worthy of praise, we will be led. Because his name is worthy of praise, we will never be abandoned. God will not allow his reputation as a shepherd to be tarnished. He will not allow it. And so we are safe. Because the Lord acts for the sake of his own name, we know that we are safe in his loving care. Christian, you can trust the God who has promised to take care of you for his own glory. (laughs) Because if we know anything, God is jealous for his glory and he will receive it. And because he is glorified in his faithfulness, you will never be abandoned. Trust him. Trust him. Sixth, we can trust the Lord because he will walk with us through the darkness. will walk with us through the darkness verse 4 even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil for you are with me your rod and your staff they comfort me notice here that this psalm even with all of its beautiful language and promises of blessing and promises of help it does not tell us that life is going to be all sunshine it doesn't I thank God for verses like verse four in the middle of such a bright, beautiful psalm. Because the Bible, God doesn't lie to us, does He? He says, No, 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 I am your shepherd, and you're going to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, too. He's honest with us here. We will still have darkness that we must go through, there will still be intense suffering like that of death at times throughout our lives. Hear me, there will be sickness, there will be miscarriages. There will be fighting, there will be depression, there will be loneliness, there will be turmoil within families, there will be tears, and there will be death, and we will, each one of us, have to walk through this valley, and ultimately, each one of us will walk through the valley of death itself, and not just the shadow of death. But what is our comfort? The psalmist writes, I will fear no evil, why? For you are with me. For you are with me. God is with us, even in the valley, He is with us, even in the pain, He is with us. Our Lord Jesus Christ has walked this valley in His human nature, and so He knows best how to minister to us there. He knows loss, He knows suffering, He knows loneliness, He knows these things. And so he is able to sympathize with us as our great high priest. And so he will carry us through it. He will stand before the throne of God and intercede for us. Jesus will pray for you is what that means. He will bear our burdens with us. He will console us with his precious promises. He will remind us of his love. Our God and Savior will walk with us and help us. He doesn't leave us alone in the dark, but rather he stands behind us as our faithful shepherd to lead and guide us through even the worst of times, even picking us up and carrying us when we can no longer walk. And notice that our comfort in the valley is that the shepherd is with us and he carries a rod and a staff, he carries a rod to fight off our enemies. That's what the rod does. It's what you would fight bears and all manner of animals with if you were a shepherd in the ancient world. He will fight for us to preserve our lives, to preserve us against the malice of Satan and the world that seek to destroy our souls. He will fight for us in the valley. He will fight for us. He will fight off the wolves. He will beat them with the rod of his fury, for he loves his sheep. He will protect us. And he carries a staff to pull us out of the ditch and continue to guide us whenever we can't see anymore. It's too dark for sheep to see, but the shepherd will guide us with his staff. When our sight is all darkness, the shepherd will preserve us and keep us walking through. Even in the valley, he is still there. Christian, please know that. You must know that when you suffer. You must know that you have not been abandoned. Christ will not abandon you to sin, Satan, the world, and death. All may be darkness around you, but he is there still. He will never leave you nor forsake you, but he will walk with you through it. So in the darkness of life, say to yourself, my shepherd has led me to this very place. He has led me into the valley carrying a rod and a staff, and I am safe with him. And so you need not fear. You need only to trust him because he is your shepherd and he loves you. And now we come to verse 5, our seventh point. And here at this verse, the imagery of the psalm changes. It's no longer that of a shepherd and sheep in the land now it changes to that of a feast and friends. Verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. This is a picture of God as the host of a great party. He's prepared a table. It's a big party, and his people, his sheep, are the guests. A feast is spread before us. God is rejoicing over us as you would at a celebratory meal. This is a meal between friends. And we are anointed by him in this verse. This is a fragrant, sweet-smelling perfume that they would use in the ancient world. It's an oil with which you would cover an honored guest who has come into your house. The text is telling us that we are guests of the Lord that he delights in. And we have been invited to come and share a meal with him. And the verse says, our cup is overflowing. What does that mean? No expenses. No expenses have have, have been uh, uh, cut. He's not cut corners. He's filled our cup with wine. And to show us how much he loves us, he keeps pouring once it's full. Because I have more than enough for you. Because you are my honored guest. Have as much as you want. Everything here is for you. The Lord is showing us that he's glad to have us there. He's rejoicing over us. If I could be so bold as to say, this verse is telling us that God is our friend. God is our friend. I'm not saying Jesus is your homeboy. That's blasphemy. That is blasphemy. But to say that the almighty God by grace is your friend. That he's humbled himself to befriend you. He is our God and is to be feared and reverenced. Yes, don't forget that for a moment. But he is our friend. He is our friend. He loves us. This is a picture of a meal that the host who loves his guests has spread. Christian, you are the Lord's honored guest. Though you shouldn't even be seated at his table, he declares that he loves you. And you are his friend. And he is glad that you are there with him. He loves you. What a, th- what a thing it is for the God and King of all the universe to count us unworthy sinners as his friends whom he loves. And he will never be unkind toward his friends. You won't be unkind towards your friends. He will only always do good to those whom he loves. He is the best friend that we could ever have. And notice that this meal is in the presence of our enemies. Yes, we still have enemies. There is still trouble in this world. Many still hate us and want to harm us. All is not well out in the world, but right in the faces of those who hate us, God declares that we are his friends. He blesses us and receives us right in front of them. I texted Stephen yesterday. I was at a Columbus Blue Jackets hockey game. I don't do illustrations often, so buckle up. And as I'm there and I'm watching this out of town team, they have no friends in this stadium. Thousands of people surrounding them. Not a friend in sight. They are our enemies. We are Blue Jackets fans. They are not Blue Jackets. They score a goal. No one claps. Silence. Picture a table spread in the middle of the hockey rink. And in the middle, you are there with Christ. Surrounded by people who hate you, won't clap for you, want you dead, and Christ screams to the entire stadium, this is my friend, and I love him. Surrounded by enemies, he declares his love for us. Though the world may hate us and seek to harm us, they cannot touch our friendship with the Lord. They cannot I know I keep saying it over and over again, but Christian, be glad and take heart. The king is your friend. And the king loves you. Surely you can trust your friend to do good for you. Surely you can trust the friend who sticks closer than a brother to bless you and keep you all your days. Eighth and finally, we see that we can trust the Lord because he will keep us all the days of our lives. And bring us home to be with him. Our final verse. Surely goodness and mercy. Shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Since God is our shepherd and our friend. His goodness and mercy will follow us always. The the, the word here means that his goodness and mercy. His covenant faithfulness. His covenant love. His kindness. Won't just follow us. The word there is stronger. It will pursue us. It will run us down like hounds run down their prey. Like an army pursues an enemy, so also will God's great love for us pursue us all of our days, and it will catch us. You cannot outrun the love of God. This is good news for us. We can't outrun him. His goodness and mercy will catch us. He is determined to do good things for us. He is determined to love and care for us all the days of our lives. And what is the result of this? If God pursues and overcomes us with his goodness and mercy, then we will certainly dwell with him forever. We will live in his house forever. Christian, your eternal destiny is written in stone. Heaven is your home. God has promised you. God wants you to be with him forever, and so it shall be. He will pursue you with goodness and mercy to ensure it. He will restore your soul. He will make sure that you make it there. He is able to do it. He is faithful to do it. He has promised to do it, and so it shall be. You will indeed dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He will preserve you. He will protect you. He will carry you. He will sustain you by his grace. He will finish the good work that he began in you. He will fight for you. He will do everything that is necessary for you to ensure that you make it home. He wants you to be with him. In grace upon grace, God desires that you would be in his house forever. And because he loves you, you will spend eternity with him being blessed by Him in His glorious presence for days without end. It is a certainty. So surely you can trust the God who by pure grace wants to be with you forever. Surely you can trust the God who will by His power do the greatest good to you in the end. I mean, honestly, if He promises you heaven, the greatest blessing, will He deny you any other grace that you need? Certainly not. That would be inconsistent. That would be a lack of love, but he loves you. And so you can trust him. As I come to a close, brothers and sisters, I don't know how else to say it to you, so I'll say it again. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. So trust him. Trust him. Hear me. Let's just recap this. You don't purchase people with the blood of the Son of God if you don't love them. You don't care for the needs of those whom you do not love. You don't restore those whom you do not love. You don't walk through darkness with those whom you do not love. You don't count as your friends those whom you do not love. You do not pursue with goodness and mercy those whom you do not love. And you certainly do not desire to spend eternity with those whom you do not love. But God does all these things for you. He loves you. So trust him. Trust him. I am convinced that one of the greatest truths of our faith is the simple fact that God loves us. I'm not saying to trash your theology books, read your systematic theologies, read all the good stuff. But this most simple truth changes everything to know that God loves you. You'll you'll, you'll view your blessings differently. You'll view your suffering differently. You'll view everything in your life differently. And you will never waver for a moment in your trust of the God who loves you. If we understand that he loves us, if we really believe it, we will walk wherever he leads us. And we will accept whatever he gives us, knowing that our good shepherd will never wrong us, but only ultimately ever do good for us. Christian, know that he loves you. And knowing that, trust in him. Trust in him now and for all of your days. Amen. Let's pray. Our great God, we thank you for your word that reminds us of your love for us. That you love the unrighteous is one of the most astounding truths of Scripture. You love sinners, and we are grateful because because of your love for us. We know that we're safe. We know that we will be protected and provided for. We know that you will do all things for us that we need. You will restore our souls. God, thank you so much. Help us to believe deep down in our hearts that you actually love us. And grant to us with a side of that that we would trust you more. Have mercy on us for Christ's sake, we pray. Amen.